You're listening to the One Day Advice Podcast, where your hosts, Nick Riley and Paul Henderson, are going to take you for a ride inside the world of personal finance. Together, we're going to give you a fully transparent, behind-the-scenes look into the financial services industry, helping you to optimize your financial life along the way. So today we're looking at our early career type clients, and we're going to really cover five main things. The profile, like you just mentioned, why the industry doesn't really work or doesn't try to work for these early career professionals, the area, the main questions that come up when we're sitting down with them as a financial planner, some generally applicable advice that you know could work, let's say, across the board, and then just a little bit of how we view younger clients, because that's a question that, that comes up more often than you'd expect. The, you know, I hope we're not wasting your time or something like that. So circling back, early career, we tend to think of, or I tend to think of in the you know, 20s to 30s, it could be, you know, I would say more typically late 20s, but you know, if you find that great job right out of college, it could be 22. Um, typically, they're high earners. They've not yet accumulated a, a lot of assets. And by a lot of assets, I'm, I'm really saying, you know, they've not qualif- they've not hit the million mark of investable assets, which gets them into the more traditional uh, financial planning, RIA, fiduciary world. So less than a million in assets, relatively high income. And I guess if we want to be specific, you know, I'd say for an individual over a hundred thousand for, for a couple probably closer to 200,000 is roughly what, what I would expect to um, be the, the right profile for where we could really add a lot of value. Okay. Does yeah. that sound and right to you? Yeah, that, no, that sounds about right. And uh, as far as the, you know, our experience in the industry too, as across other registered investment advisors, you know, brokerage firms, uh, I'd like to, kind of give an overview to our listeners too on uh, why the industry doesn't really tailor towards early career professionals uh, like we're going to be talking about today. So uh, maybe I'll take a first stab at that, Paul. And and sure. so when it comes... So I, I've worked on the broker side. I, I've worked on the independent uh, registered investment advisory side. And like like Paul mentioned, many of them require a, a certain level of assets to manage to meet their minimum fee. And they they bill off of the investment balance that they have direct oversight and management over. So uh, naturally, if you don't have assets for them to manage, there's no way for them to charge uh, you for their service. They're not going to provide you uh, the financial advice that you need because there's no revenue uh, potential on their end. So uh, here at One Day Advice, we have the ability to work with clients on an hourly basis or an ongoing subscription, uh, neither of which require uh, the client to have assets that we directly manage. So our goal is to build their net worth and you know, grow their investable assets uh, so they can you know, kind of graduate into a higher tier uh, of of client client base for us. Yeah, and I I would just add that you know that's that's unique because we we know this industry and you know we we come from that the managing assets background, but it might you know there there are also people out there who just want to sell you a product and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they, they might say, make a, a similar comment or, you know, tell a similar story of, oh, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to protect you, you know, fill in the blank, depending on what the product is. But, you know, there's, there's kind of, I would say for these early career people, they're getting ignored by the, I would say the, the respectable side and they are getting sold by the, the broker side. And that's kind of yeah. the, the rock and the hard place that they're finding themselves in. Yeah, definitely. And, and you touched on it briefly there too, of just the financial product realm. So uh, a insurance agent might say that they'll work with someone younger. And that's why a lot of Northwestern mutual reps and insurance agents reps get people that are in college to buy their products because uh, they you know, they don't require an upfront payment. It's it's like an ongoing payment towards a whole life policy. Uh, and that allows the insurance agent to get an upfront commission and make it worthwhile to, to give them some advice as well uh, around their personal finances. So that's, that's oftentimes a, a big trap that people fall into is, is they, they, they start working with someone who is insurance focused and selling them a product uh, that, you know, in all, I mean, I don't want to, to bash the insurance. <laughs> You're going to get some angry calls here. <laughs> yeah. Paul, maybe you want to. I, I'll just say that there, there's no, no, I, I agree with you. And I am very skeptical of, of life insurance in general, but you know, I, there, there is a time and a place for it. I would say having, you know, in my experience, the time and the place has typically been for a multi multi-millionaire estate that is trying to, you know, do some creative planning around estate taxes. So, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Th- that's usually like the life insurance is a great, you know, vehicle in that in that situation. And term life policies, that's also, you know, if you're trying to protect, you know, cover a mortgage or protect your plan or, you know, pay for kids in college, all like that's usually a pretty good reason too. But that's not what's being sold to the the 20, 22 year old in college. So yeah, I think there's a time and a place for it, but it's frustrating because it's not usually, you know, when. Yeah. I, I think a good way to put it too, is just, you shouldn't be paying for a financial product in order to get advice. Uh, and I think that's where that, where one day advice fits in is, is, you know, people have the opportunity to pay for the advice that they need. That way it's unbiased. It's, it's, you know, free from any conflict of interest. Whereas a financial product uh, is, you know, it, it could be suitable for you at, at one point in time, but uh, you know, may quickly not become suitable for you uh, in the near future. So you really want to be paying for that that kind of unbiased financial advice. Yeah, and I'll kind of steal your your comment that you that I've heard you make. You know, if they're if they're advertising at the Super Bowl you maybe don't want to work with them. Just, you know, I'm sure if it's Coca-Cola, maybe it's a different story, but if it's your financial services provider and they have the money to advertise at the Super Bowl, just think twice about it. So I guess that's a lot of, you know, what what not to do or why the industry yeah. doesn't work. Um, maybe we should shift a little bit more to, you know, what, what we do, uh, why, and we, it, not just one day advice, but the, the, RIA community, the registered investment advisor, we'll say the fiduciary community, the fee only. And I'm using these words intentionally because, you know, there are things that you have to look for and they're you know, definitions that 
it's sad, you know, fiduciary, we have to put your interests in before ours shouldn't be something that, you know, I have to really point out if you're paying me for financial advice, but, you know, but it's, we have to point that out um, because there's non-fiduciary and there's, there's fee only and there's fee based where like they will charge you a fee and then sell you something. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what we as the fiduciary fee only side do with these types of clients. Like what, yeah, what are so- they paying for? Yeah, definitely. So I I think a common misconception too is that younger clients are just easier to work with. Uh, and that couldn't be more uh, <laughs> right here from not the case. I still so, agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, retirement planning typically is is a big thing that people go to financial planners for. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, people in their 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 later stage of their career where they're starting to think of more about retirement. Whereas the the early career professionals, they're wanting to understand how to optimize their financial uh, financial situation so they can reap the benefits long term. So by that I mean you know saving up for short term savings goals, uh, even long term savings goals, uh, buying a first home, growing a family, uh, you know just navigating their career path too. So. You know, people wanting to take a sabbatical or change career, go back to school, uh, you know, seek further education. So there's a, really there's so many decisions in life that are attached to a dollar sign, and anything attached to a dollar sign is a decision that should be at least ran by a financial planner who is working in your best interest. Yeah. And I, I think I would just add to that, you know, there, there's the, the big picture questions, but, you know, I, I find myself often having more of the, the nitty gritty. And, you know, the, the way I like to phrase it for clients is when you get that, that email about benefits changing or, you know, any, anything that comes from HR, like, oh, hey, here's, here's the new fill in the blank. You can just forward that to us. And, you know, it's, it's partly what's fun for for us because we get to solve new problems or you know see new things that are coming out. Um, I, I just I enjoy working with the the wealth accumulators as opposed to you know people who are have already made their money and are now retired because there, it's dynamic. There's a lot of you know interesting things that are going on, and you know often you know, I'll use Microsoft as an example. You know, there's some really kind of creative. Uh, benefit structures out there. And, you know, it's, it's fun to come in and be like, okay, you probably think that's only the, the old people at Microsoft who care about this, but you should care about it too, even though you're only, you know, in your twenties or in your thirties and you want, like, you're just focused on, you know, trying living in, in a new city and, you know, all that that entails. So, you know, I, I enjoy the, the education side of, you know, let's talk about your 401k. Let's talk about your ESPPs. Let's talk about, you know, your RSUs and make sure that there's a plan, not just, you know, they don't, they don't just happen to you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and when it comes to, uh, you know, navigating, you know, like you said, the, the company benefit side, uh, navigating stock options and, and all of that, uh, and, you know, dealing with relocating. So if you're wanting to move to California to enjoy the the beach and the sunshine and get get away from the the rainy Seattle uh, winters, uh, you know, those are those are all financial decisions that we love to help uh, people navigate. And <laughs> I as love far to, like, as, yeah. how much do you love the sun versus taxes? 
Yeah. Sometimes I just want them to take me with them. Uh, <laughs> just, we're planning it depends on vacations the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, beyond that, so some generally uh, applicable advice that we give to to clients at this stage of their career. Uh, Paul, do you want to kind of highlight some of those? Yeah. And I'm just, you know, thinking of all of the this is generally applicable. We don't know your situation. You know, you fill in the the disclaimers there. Um, but I'm trying to, my, my, the easiest one is just make sure that you're getting your, your match from your 401k. You know, that's, it sounds straightforward, but it's surprisingly easy for people just to say, I want the money in my pocket. I'm not ready to think about retirement. So you know, that's, that's just an easy take that match, um, it gets a little complicated if your employer matches all the way up to the full amount, then you have to say, well, can I afford that? So, you know, there is some, there are some caveats there, but look for that. If your company offers an ESPP uh, employee stock purchase plan, that tends to be a way to get a pretty quick 10%, 15% discount on stock. That's, you know, that's not bad. Um, so, so look at that. Uh, I'm trying to think of, any those are the the company ones i would say cash flow pay attention to your cash flow you know i think you and i've talked about lifestyle creep a little bit and maybe you want to take this but i would say pay pay a little bit of attention to what you're spending and make sure that you're happy that you you know if you bought something make sure you're happy that you bought it and it's not just you know the the instagram purchase or you know whatever whatever it is that drives your purchases yeah. And like I was watching Shark Tank last night, actually, and uh, they're always going to ask you for the numbers. So as, as when you're running your own household too, your own household finances, you have to know your numbers. Uh, what money, what amount do you have coming in each month uh, from your salary, either you know other income sources, uh, and then know on average how much money you have going out. Uh, so understanding your savings rate on a monthly basis that you can then annualize and and uh, kind of plan around. So ideally, you want to be paying yourself first. So every time you get a paycheck, put a certain amount aside, uh, whatever that amount is, any any amount is better than nothing. Uh, so you know, I like to lead with maybe 10%. Uh, but if 10% isn't possible with your, your current cash flow situation, find out ways that you can cut costs to increase your savings rate and Put that money, set it aside into a long-term uh, investment account that that can start working for you and start compounding. Uh, so I think that's that's very important. Is just knowing your numbers as a personal finance per, uh, perspective. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking about you know the importance of you know, cash flow, but also cash reserve, and making sure that you have you know depending on your situation somewhere between let's say six to 18 months of cash on hand. And, you know, it's not just for an emergency. It's also, it gives you some flexibility on, you know, do you want to take a different job or do you want to take a risk? Do you want to do something that, you know, means it maybe your current income is not going to be consistent. Yeah. Having, having cash is super helpful for that. Exactly. And, and having those types of emergency funds or cash on hand, uh, the factors that come into play around that are you know, how many different income sources do you have? So if you're a couple uh, that both you know both of you work and one were, it was to lose your job, I mean, the likelihood of both of you losing your job or both of you getting disabled at the same time is very low. Uh, so the more income 
sources that you have, the lower amount of months that you might necessarily need to have cash on hand for. Uh, the other thing to consider too is, is, you know, I always think about worst case scenario. If you did lose your job and you were reliant on someone else, do you have a family member you can fall back on? Do you have you know, financing options to fall back on? Uh, so you have to really kind of prepare yourself uh, financially. And the best way to do that is to pay yourself first and start to build up that, that uh, you kind of cash fund. And I like the the idea of really examining your own situation because everyone is unique. Every situation is unique and there's not a, a catch all. There's, you know, we often have this conversation of like, well, is this normal? Is this what I should be doing? Is this the rule of thumb? And it's like, well, there are some rules of thumbs, but really in general, it, it depends on your situation. And so don't, don't just, you know, stress yourself out on Reddit or finance blogs or whatever really know your situation and, and your personal finances and, you know, make sure that whatever advice you find is really tailored to you. you know, I think yeah. you can, you can hurt yourself by applying advice incorrectly. Yeah. And on the topic of knowing your numbers too, another number to know is, is how much are you paying in fees? And that can be wrapped into, uh, you know, bank transfer fees, uh, you know, overdraft fees, so your your banker, your banking institution might have a lot of fees wrapped into it. Uh, you might be paying you know high fees inside your investment accounts, or in you might be paying more for your auto insurance than you should be. So it's always you know from an insurance perspective, uh, when you're looking for homeowners or uh, you know renters insurance or auto insurance. Uh, it's important to shop around every every couple of years, I would say, to make sure that you aren't uh, make sure that you are getting a good deal on that. So just keeping conscious of of the fees that that are uh, that you're paying inside these insurance products or investment products or your bank accounts is very important because those are ways that that you can easily put money back into your pocket rather than uh, into the institution's pocket. I was going to say it's a 15 minute call to, you know, shop around and see if maybe you could be not just, you know, saving money on, so let's say auto insurance, but possibly improving your auto insurance. Maybe you got that when you were 22 and, you know, it was just the bare minimum. And, you know, that's probably, maybe it's time to review that. Um, yeah. I, I would also, you know, just, I think maybe the last comment on this one is around debt and, and knowing your numbers and knowing the interest rates that you're paying, you know, often, mm -hmm. We're having, we'll have a conversation with people about credit card debt. Like, you know, some debt is okay. Mortgages, if you're, if you've refied your mortgage recently and you're paying, you know, two something low 3%, that's, that's not bad. If you're paying 18 to 20% on a credit card, that is, you know, basically unequivocally bad. So, you know, th those are other numbers that you should be paying attention to. And just, it kills me when I see people carrying a balance on their credit card, particularly if they have the ability to pay it off and, you know, not do that in the future. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I mean, there's there's definitely a lots of other advice that we could provide uh, for this age group, uh, people at this stage in their careers. Uh, but the other thing that we wanted to talk about too, uh, you know, prior to closing, you know, wrapping up the episode, is you know, kind of how how do we view uh, younger clients? Uh, Paul, do you want to kind of address this? I do. I think it's. You know, I wanted to include this part 
particularly because we get approached by by people who are like, well, I don't know if I belong. I don't know if if you want to talk to me. And and part of this is, you know, sometimes people have been turned away by by places that are like, hey, if I can't make ten thousand off of you, I'm not going to work with you. So like, they there's a bit of a a, a moat around our industry sometimes, or they've been turned off by a super aggressive salesperson. So you get these people coming that are a little bit unsure about if they want to talk to you, if I want to talk to them. And, you know, I think what I want to put out there is we definitely want to talk to you. If, you know, if this, if you fall in this group that we're talking about, you know, this early career high earner, maybe not a lot of assets yet, but that's your direction that you're going, you know, half an hour, we can figure out if if there's a, a good you know mutual fit, if there are some red flags that need to be addressed, you know we're we're happy to turn people away if it's not a good fit, but we'll make sure that you're going in the right direction. And you know that might be pay down your credit cards, that might be you know pay attention to your spending. But you know I think you you tell me if you agree or feel the same way. You know I look at it as I I love getting to have these conversations with people in their twenties and thirties because the you can you can fix a lot in your twenties that you can't necessarily fix when you're in your fifties yeah. and sixties. No, it's <laughs> that is so true, and uh, when it comes down to uh, just you know working with people, we 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 lead with education. I mean, we're we're doing this podcast <laughs> not because we're looking to monetize it. Uh, we're doing the podcast because we want to uh, educate people, and you know it's. You know, that's why we want to be able to have conversations with as many people as possible. Not everyone's going to be the right fit for our services. Uh, we're, we're going to want to educate and empower people to manage finances on their own. But we also understand the fact that that life is 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 busy. Uh, it gets very busy, and and some people you know might not want to spend their Friday night or Saturday uh, Saturdays and Sundays planning around their finances. They want to delegate that and have those conversations with a professional. So that's where we can really uh, you know, help our clients you know, leverage their personal financial situation and, and really start to optimize that for uh, and, and get on a good track for you know, the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years, uh, you name it. Uh, I don't know what the type of healthcare we have coming up. I mean, we might, we might live past our 100, 100 years old and uh, so we've got a lot of time ahead of us. I, I would just last comment would be, you know, if you just need it for need it for a year, there are people that will sign on, and because we lead with education, feel like okay, I, I've I feel like I understand what's going on, and now I'm ready to to do this on my own. We also have people who come on saying, okay, I'm going to do this for a year, and then I'll feel good and I'll move on. And after a year, they're like, I am so happy that I have someone to reach out to, and you know. I, it's just the peace of mind of knowing that you guys are paying attention to this and you'll reach out if something comes up, you know, it's, I think it's been, it's, it's fun for us to, to see, you know, how people feel after they've, they've really kind of learned about their own personal finances. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we've, uh, you know, addressed this topic enough for, for this episode. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll go into, uh, these topics in much further detail down the road. But uh, for now, yeah, we appreciate you listening and, and uh, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us with any specific questions that you have or ideas that you'd like us to, to address on this podcast. Hi, 
I'm Nick Riley, the founder of One Day Advice. If you like what you've heard, we'd greatly appreciate your help in spreading the word. After all, we are financial educators, not marketers. Thanks for listening, and remember to leave us a review. Nick Riley is the founder of One Day Advice, an independent registered investment advisor. Paul Henderson is the director of financial planning at One Day Advice. Both Nick and Paul serve as wealth advisors to their clients. All opinions expressed by Nick, Paul, and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of One Day Advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment or financial decisions.